0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, January 16th. Local politics seem, well, especially active over the last few years in Grand County. Between COVID, housing, noise, there's just been a lot on the county's plate. Helping lawmakers tackle these issues is Grand's county attorney— Last week on the newscast, we spoke with the outgoing and the incoming sheriff, so this week we'll do the same with the county attorney. First up, Christina Sloan, who lost her bid for re-election in November. She spoke with us about the issues peppered throughout her tenure and reflects on her own personal experience in the role. It was big and
1: heavy. I think that's where I have to go first. It Mm. was extremely stressful. It felt very burdensome. The positives were that the work was very intellectually satisfying. Every day was big, huge, new, different. Mm -hmm. Every day, and I've been practicing nearly 20 years now, and every day in that office, I encountered something I had never seen before, and I wasn't sure how to tackle. And for a nerd like myself, that is fascinating and amazing and awesome. Mm -hmm. And so intellectually, I really enjoyed the work. Um, The politics I did not enjoy, and I think the election shows I was not good at the politicking part of it, Um, which is something that I definitely knew about myself um, and my tolerances and my patient level, Um, but it was pretty interesting to to watch myself try to navigate some of the tricky political pieces. And then to put my personality within the bigger scope of Utah politics is just a whole different scope of challenge. So yeah, I'm pretty happy to
0: be done with all of that. I mean, it is a political position. It's not just a straightforward administrative staff role. There's a lot of different elements to it. With that said, you know, are there any particular issues or policies that you worked on that you're proud of during your tenure?
1: I kind of feel like I need to go year by year because um, every <laughs> sure. year brought different new big things, right. um, all of which I'm proud of. So 2019, the my first year, um, brought the High Density Housing Ordinance. Mm-hmm. Um, which has continued to stay in the news ever since. Now, if you guys remember, that was written prior to my term by planning staff with the help, and I use that word in quotations, of contract attorneys in Salt Lake, because they really did not provide county staff with much help. So therefore, we had an ordinance that was doing big, important things that wasn't written as well as it could have been. Mm -hmm. Um, But in my first months, actually, at the first meeting I attended, that was adopted. An initial issue came up right away, which was how to treat retired folks. Hmm. So we did amend, and I was involved in that amendment, the ordinance, right away. That year brought a lot of work on high-density housing projects because right away... We had 300 units up for grabs and people grabbed them right away. So, that you know, I was helping support planning staff in a way they had never been supported in the county before, um, providing legal expertise, which required a lot of work. I do feel like, you know, in addition to getting my feet under me, 2019, um, was really one of the starts of looking a little bit harder at housing. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's certainly an issue I'm proud of. 2020 was COVID. That really dominated that year. Right. The county was very aggressive in its approach early Mm -hmm. to close town. To this day, the most aggressive meeting, and I was involved in county and city city politics before I was sworn in. The most aggressive county meeting that city um, that I've ever been to was that meeting where we passed the first COVID order. And special events in particular came out strong, but businesses as well, to criticize us in a very personal and hateful way. And uh, the work we were doing, we knew we had to stand behind it as the right thing. Mm And per capita, we had fewer deaths in Utah than I think any other county, certainly Mm -hmm. any other county in southeast Utah. I stand behind strongly and proudly that it was the right thing to do. And we saved lives in Grand County. We worked closely with Moab Regional Hospital, who really drove that timing and their preparation. And when MRH told the county that they were ready and felt as prepared as they could be Mm -hmm. um, to take on COVID, that's when we opened town back up. So it was a big deal. Um,
0: I remember that meeting. It was a rough one. That was rough. It was rough.
1: And you had some people Mm -hmm. like the health director who that position should not be a political office. And yet, you know, he was facing the same pressure pressure and pressure. Mm Pressure is a better way to put it than the rest of us Mm -hmm. electeds were. The end of that year is when we started getting more aggressive on ATV noise regulation. Mm -hmm. So October 2020 is when we put in place the special event moratorium on ATV events and passed the OHV speed limit. That was a rare occasion where the city and county worked together really well Mm -hmm. and continue to. So that was nice. 2020 was also the form of government litigation, which was very important to me, not just to be able to keep the same composition in terms of numbers and districts Mm -hmm. to make sure there's fair representation in the county, but also to keep the commission form of government. Our commission has always been, even though it was called a council, it actually was an expanded commission always. And that is because it has always made the executive and the legislative decisions. And that was really important. The litigation that was filed by Stephen Stocks uh, went to force us into a council manager. And that would have been a you know, one person a czar of the county making all the decisions, all the executive decisions. And, you know, I was very concerned as the community. That's why we for twenty years had protected our form of government, because there is so much concern about consolidation of power in the county. I think, you know, between city and county, because obviously we have a city manager, which hasn't worked that well, quite frankly, historically, our current city manager, I think, is amazing. But, you know, you you get into issues where you have consolidation power like that. And the county the responsibilities of the county under law are way huger than the city. Um, on top of that, you just have so much more closed-door decision-making. Executive decisions are made behind closed doors when you have a manager like that. So I put a ton of time. I litigated that myself. I wrote it all myself. I argued it all myself. Mm. Um, and so that took a ton of my time in 2020. Right around there, 2020, 2021 is where we saw litigation on the high-density housing ordinance. So right. you have all these developers um, So they got density bonuses in exchange for agreeing to restrict 80% of the units in their developments for locals, Mm -hmm. workforce, right? So it's the Workforce Housing Ordinance. And they take these density bonuses up to 35 times the underlining zoning, although most were about 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. times the underlining zoning. And then they sued us to undo it all so that they could get the density bonus without having to build the workforce housing. Um, Maddening. Indeed. Um, it started in, at the administrative level with mm-hmm. administrative appeals. And so we did win all those claims. It was a ton of effort. And then one of the developers sued us in Moab District Court. We end up dismissing that later. And they have amendments pending before the county. Mm-hmm. I expect that to work out long term. But but that was a ton of work. And, and then meanwhile... Things are starting to open back up and housing. We had to start looking at um, the delays the litigation brought, plus COVID material delays. Right. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how fast those build out. And then at the same time, 2021, we started putting more effort into our heads are above water on COVID. So the county started to put more effort into housing mm-hmm. and um, different potential housing products or ordinances. And you see those really coming to fruition now. But 2021 was the legwork, 2022 was a blur.
0: Don't ask me about 2022. Well, you know. the 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 blue ribbon coalition litigation. Right.
1: Yes. Right. 2021 <laughs> and 2022. Yes. Noise. 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 Right. That's, that's what defines. That's why I right. I'm blocking that out of my.
0: You going through all this is bringing back all these memories too. Like, man, this is a lot that Grand County has had to deal with in the last four years. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the issues have been bubbling up for a long time, but you know, it felt it felt very big the last last couple years.
1: I felt very big. That's a good mm-hmm. way to put it. And you know, we're a fifth class county. But we have first class problems. We have a first class population most weekends. And Grand County is pushing the envelope on many civil issues that no one in the country is doing. Mm-hmm. And we always have. I mean, I'm very proud and this way predates me. 2008, we had the foresight to pull short term rentals out of our residential areas. Mm -hmm. We're the first people as far as I'm aware, and I have researched it pretty extensively, the first community in the country to do that in 2008. In 2019. Oh, I didn't even mention this overnight accommodation regulation. Mm -hmm. In 2019, my first year, we pull overnight accommodations out of our commercial zones as a use by right first Mm -hmm. community in the country to do that. And that was a huge part of my first year too, is navigating. Well, again, I didn't I wasn't part of drafting that regulation very much if at all I can't actually remember the timing of that I was very involved in negotiating around takings cases right Mm -hmm. we had all sorts of landowners coming out arguing takings Mm -hmm. so I spent a lot of time educating I met with all these there are about 13 plus folks who argued takings claims Mm -hmm. against the county I met with all of them I explained takings law to them I looked at their specifics, and there are only two of the thirteen that I agreed they had valid takings claims. Mm -hmm. So, if we'd gone to court, could we have won? Maybe, but Mm -hmm. it would have been a hard challenge. And so, those two I did support moving those two properties into the OA Mm -hmm. overlay zone, and the other eleven I said, "Sue us if you want, but you're going to lose." So that was a huge amount of time. Um, And again, we're the first community to do that. As far as I'm aware, we're the first community to really look at affordable housing in context of workforce. Our workforce ordinance is very similar to a lot of affordable housing programming, and yet it's very different as well. We've been found out, I mean, other other people are starting to mimic what we did, um, but also the Utah legislature has sort of figured out that workforce housing is a loophole to some statutes they passed last year to Mm -hmm. actually limit and or prohibit Local government's ability to require what they called moderate income housing. Um, And so we do expect that they're going to close that loophole and pass further restrictions on local government's ability to require workforce housing.
0: You know, Grand County, like you said, even before you were uh, in the position of county attorney, has kind of been on the forefront of a lot of these changes. Do you think that's what could attract litigation?
1: Well, certainly people hate us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I learned that early on Uh going up to the Utah legislature. Uh Um, You see it in forms of people making jokes at your expense. Uh And you also see it on the face of people dealing with you that Uh Utah has problems with Grand County. um, No doubt about it. And you have to deal with that everywhere. And I I think we do have to be smarter and better to avoid litigation to make it work. You know, what are
0: your thoughts on how locals or even like our local lawmakers can most effectively engage with local policy changes or state policy changes?
1: Well, you know, locally, there's a lot of talk in the election that the county didn't work hard enough to bring people to the table. That's absolute BS. County worked tirelessly. Um, to do that. And at some point, you can't get everyone at the table to agree. At a statewide level, I do think it's really important we have a presence up north, a continued presence with the right people. I advocate very strongly for a lobbyist, which we didn't have mm-hmm. until last year. Um, well, two years ago now, 2021 was the first year the county hired a lobbyist ever to my knowledge. Um, I argued for it the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I was told no, Because the commissioners, that's part of their job. They should be up there. Mm -hmm. Well, it's far away. Our commissioners are part time. But most importantly of all, it is a very special talent. And you have to fit a special mold for Mm -hmm. it to work with the Utah legislature. (laughs) And I mean, I'll say it here. I hope to do some intentional writing about race and gender politics. I'm going to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was told multiple times, you can't be in that room. Mm -hmm. Because you're a strong woman with an opinion. And that won't work. I was told, and it happened, we got hauled up to the Utah legislature in 2019 over our overnight accommodation ordinance, where we yelled out for being socialists. And I had to sit third at a table behind staff and behind another elected who wasn't as up to speed as I was, because they weren't involved in the drafting or the negotiation of the ordinance, um, because I was a woman. So it had to go male elected, male staff female Mm -hmm. and i i think that's hard we're we're a county of strong women and it doesn't go over
0: well that (laughs) is on my mind you know how gender might have played a role in your experience as a county attorney either locally or statewide
1: yeah and i'm i'm still pondering that um right i'm certainly it is certainly my opinion it was um a critical factor in why i lost um I do believe in playing the game. Well, I'm not good at the politics. I have personally um, impatience with people who aren't informed um, or who communicate in a hateful way that's not productive. I don't have a lot of patience for that. And you do need it to be successful in politics. Um, But I do believe in playing the game. And every single time I was given the feedback, don't be in the room or be in the room and don't speak or sit third at the table. I did that. But it it really doesn't matter. And I was Mm. confused. For example, you know, San Juan County and Grand County are lumped together in some of the political issues that came out. I was lumped together with another female attorney who uh, has been working on some of the issues in San Juan County. And certain people could not understand that we're two different humans. We are not the same person, no matter how many times they were told. Mm. And it's just sort of like, well, there must only be one smart female attorney in Southeast Utah. No, there's not. So I'm still grappling with it myself. Interestingly, I do. I've started researching the history of female county attorneys Mm. in the state of Utah. And I believe that a woman named Elaine Coates, Elaine Matthews Coates, was the first ever elected female county attorney in the state of Utah in 1986. Mm. She was not retained. She only served one year. Back then, it was a yes or no vote, like a judicial retention vote. Okay. So in 1990, she was not retained. And then Lyle Anderson was appointed. And then he was later appointed to the bench. Then Bill Binge won the next election. Almost 20 years later, I believe, that our second female attorney was also ever in the state of Utah was also from Grand County, which was Happy Morgan, who served two terms. And since then, you saw Laura Miller in Salt Lake County. Um, myself and Margaret Olson were both elected in mm-hmm. 2018. So we were female county attorney four and five in the state of Utah, elected mm-hmm. same year, 2018. Um, and then in this last last election, Brittany Ivins and San Juan County won by write-in vote. Mm-hmm. Alex Goble, the candidate, had withdrawn. I I hope to do some writing on mm-hmm. on what that looks like and why, in particular, this position has been difficult to. Um, get women elected to there are 29 county attorneys in the state of utah why have there only been now that makes six total in the history of utah six total female county attorneys and my research is showing that at least 50 percent of those are only serving one term yeah, yeah. I'm so pondering that stuff. So what are your what are your plans for the future? I've gone back to my private law practice, which I'm quite excited about. I have had an associate for quite a while now named Dan Boyer. So he and I are actually partnering up. So the Sloan Law Firm will become Sloan Boyer. Um, and I'll refocus on my civil practice, which I love. You know, one thing in terms of the county attorney, and this is another thing I'm so pondering, is what, whether a civil attorney can ever play the political role well enough to get reelected. Mm. As far as I'm aware, I'm the only county attorney in the history of Utah that had civil expertise rather than criminal. And it makes sense. It is a political position. It is elected position. You do have constituents. And a prosecutor is putting away the bad guy and is keeping the community safe. And people like that person, typically. My expertise was civil. And as a civil attorney, you're constantly telling folks no or yes with qualifications or conditions. And I think that's difficult. I also think the civil work is very complex and it's not seen by the community so much. So anyway, just going back to that civil emphasis, um, I am a nerd. I do love the details. I'm back in private practice and I'm extremely happy about it. Um, I am really excited to refocus on clients who appreciate working for me on projects that I want to take and controlling my own schedule and just not working nearly as much. I have two children, one of which is only in fourth grade, and she's very excited that mom is back.
0: (laughs) Former Grand County Attorney Christina Sloan speaking about the various issues throughout her four-year tenure. Sloan plans to write a book about her experience as county attorney. Tomorrow, we'll hear from new county attorney Stephen Stocks about his first two weeks in office. The Grand County Commission is in session on Tuesday. Maggie McGuire of the Moab Sun News gives us a preview of their agenda. At this week's Grand County Commission meeting, officials will consider a handful of committee appointments, special event applications for 2023, and consider the potential local impact if the Utah State Legislature repeals HB 247, which amended the state's tourism tax to allow counties to spend collected funds on things like law enforcement, emergency services, and economic diversification. This agenda preview is from our partners at the Moab Sun News. County Commission meetings are held on the first and third Tuesday of every month at 4pm and streamed live online on Grand County's YouTube page. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, January 16th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7